Let's have a prayer. The prayer of illumination. Dear Lord, as we turn to your scripture, open our hearts, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. That as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So I told you, uh, well, I, I don't think I told you what we're going to read today, but it's Jeremiah 23 and Luke 23. Jeremiah 23 and Luke 23. So Jeremiah 23 is the, um, uh, pardon me, I've set it down and it's under here somewhere. There it is. The story, excuse me, the shepherd, there we go, is a familiar Hebrew scripture image for the, the king of Israel. Okay, So in Jeremiah 23, it's going to talk about that shepherd, that righteous branch. And so, and so, and the leader has the responsibility of caring for God's flock. Who are the people? A new king will come to reign in prosperity and peace. And that's what Jeremiah is proclaiming. They at the time had no image of Jesus. They at the time were in terrible straits and they simply wanted somebody to come along who cared for them, loved them, and would save them from these mighty powers that, that overtook them. And so as we're in Jeremiah and as we're late in Jeremiah, we're, this passage here is this, this, the prophet is giving them hope. Kind of like what I talked about with hope, you know, on the calendar, you know, as we reach into Advent. We're, it, we're, we're, we're hoping in the arrival of Christmas. So, but this, we're hoping, they are hoping in the arrival of a Messiah. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. And he's speaking to those powers that had, had exiled the people of God. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will send shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up from for David a righteous branch. And this is the imagery of the Messiah coming. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is a name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Our next reading comes from Luke 23. And as I read, this story of Jesus extends extends compassion and offer, offers eternal life to a repentant thief. 
And this expresses the character and purpose of Christ, a fitting emphasis on the last Sunday of the Christian year. Hear this very familiar passage of Luke 23, verses 33 through 43. The crucifixion. And when they came, they came to the place that is called the skull. There they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by. They stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. And if he is Christ of God, his chosen one, let him do it. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him some sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, this man Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he said, the criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into the kingdom. Remember me when you come into the kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord, and as we respond, thanks be to God. title of this sermon is The Way of the Cross, and my question for the, the morning is, have you accepted Christ's forgiveness? Have you accepted Christ's forgiveness? If you know me long enough, you, knew I, you know I grew up at Virginia Beach, and it was a fascinating life. The water surrounded me. My, my mom and dad's home was on the water. Everything we did had to do with the water. And so I got to see a lot that has to do with the water. But one of the things I saw, I got to see a couple of times people drown. Not a nice, pleasant sight. But the one thing I learned is just because you throw a life preserver at somebody, just because you throw a float at somebody, doesn't mean they're going to grab it. Sometimes they're struggling so hard. So sometimes it's so hard for them to just, just, just try to try to just save themselves that they miss the float. And if they're blessed, they're lucky. Somebody's on the shore that can get out there and save them. But many times they simply drown. 
and it's ugly. As I hear the story of Jesus on that cross, I see that. I see Jesus safely on secure ground. And I see the people around him save them for they know, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. I see them as the drowning victim in the water. Splashing, bobbing, coughing. And Jesus throws them a life preserver. But they're struggling so hard trying to save themselves, they don't realize that somebody's coming to their life that will save them. And they drown. There's a friend of mine who happens to be, his name was William Hodges. We're not closely related, but we grew up, we were, our families were in the same area of, of North Carolina. That's exactly what happened to him. He was this bigger-than-life character. You didn't know whether to like him or run from him. And he had, uh, he had good money, lots of possessions. He had this boat. And you won't recognize the name of the river, but the river's called the Chickahominy. And it is... Actually, he was on the York. The Chickahominy is upstream. So he was on the York. And his boat stalled. And he was very close to the shore. But he chose to do something that wasn't very wise. He jumped into the water and grabbed the tow rope like he was Tarzan. He was close enough to the shore that people threw things into the water. But he drowned like that. He grabbed that rope, took a stroke, his head went under the water. Even though people were trying to save him, he was gone. I had to do his funeral. I still remember the stories the people told. But why I go back there and why I keep running over that is because, you know, it's not much different from people in general. How many times have, have you seen somebody, do, you know, stuck in some terrible situation and they just keep struggling and they won't, they won't accept any help? They keep trying to help themselves. Maybe they're embarrassed. Maybe they're trying to prove something. It can, be said, it can be said for the mistakes of our life. You know, many of us carry around mistakes and regrets. That's another great word for that. But many of us carry around regrets. I wish I had. I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd said that something then. I wish I hadn't said that. I got a lot of those. But the thing is, is that, you know, when Jesus died and forgave and said that, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then Peter comes along. Remember that story in Acts 2. Where Peter comes along and he does that, he does that, um, delivers that sermon. And the Holy Spirit comes down. And, and the people, 
that people accepted the good news. It's like they grabbed onto that life preserver. It's like they grabbed onto that float and they held onto it tightly and came to secure ground. It might not mean anything to you if you have a really, really good life. But for those of us who've had some awful situations where you just don't feel that anybody cares, that's what that message is for. When you look at that sixth window, that's what that message is for. There was a lot of evil people that put Him on that cross. And He died on that cross for a lot of evil. But He still, the first words He says on that cross is recorded by Luke. The first words He says on that cross is, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The same can be said for the struggling and the drowning. They know not what they do. They know not how close they are to salvation. All that has to take place is to accept that forgiveness. So as we begin next Sunday, the first Sunday of the calendar year, it's appropriate to end on that note that Jesus' whole ministry, and we've covered a good part of it over the last 12 months, but Jesus' whole ministry comes down to that right there. That. He died for us so that we would not have to die. In my metaphor, He drowned for us so that we wouldn't have to drown. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Let us pray. Lord, as we consider the, the, uh, the time and consider the, the story and consider that, that what Jesus has done for us. He suffered. Jesus, Jesus suffered the most horrible, painful death. But Lord, You still looked at the people responsible and forgave them. Amazing. It's astounding. It's even unbelievable. It's remarkable, Savior. It's remarkable, Christ, that You did this for us. And out of faith, we have the opportunity to grab that forgiveness and receive that salvation. For the way of the cross is to humble ourselves. The, re- the way of the cross is to stop
stop trying to save ourselves and let Christ have us. Indeed. Choose life. Help us to choose life. And then in turn extend the same grace and mercy and compassion to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.